You know, I think the Russians are probably clean. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. slowridepodcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Your hands are you gotta you gotta say you gotta say them and then you gotta mouth the other ones. Come on, yeah. watch Wayne's World, so, Mark. No, no, it's not Wayne's World. Uh, guys, I'm ready here. It's, it's Wayne's World. I, I, but how do we count down in French? Because remember the time trial and they do that Sans. weird thing with their hands and they bring in oh, their pinky first and then they they bring in their ringle. Toi. Go? You skipped two, but that's all right. Hello and welcome to the 117th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in Boston. Well, things are going already amazingly on this podcast, and I feel the reason why, guys, is because cyclocross season is right around the corner. Crosshairs Radio, busting out the interviews left and right. I saw my first cyclocross flyer for a cyclocross race in Florida wait, wait, wait. in September. Just, it's only going to be 95 degrees out, and the race nice. is only $35 in the Masters 35-plus category. $35. How many, minutes, how many minutes do you get 45 minutes. That's oh, a- that's a deal. Quit interrupting deal. me, little guy, because the deal is not over yet. If I register a day of, it's an extra $5. So that's $40 for a 45-minute race, which in most places of the country, you'd be like, hey, that is fantastic. You know, go get them $40 because you're racing with 100 nope. people. Nope. I'm going to be racing fantastic. with 12 people paying $40. That's it's probably still a pretty nice so profit much. margin. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would be happy with $40 anywhere. So, forty dollars is way too much. I can go play hockey down the road, which we'll get to in a minute, and it only costs me twelve dollars to go skate for an hour and a half of ice hockey action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ice what? cold hockey uh, ice action. Cold yeah. hockey action. Okay, all right. And well, you but, get the privilege of a locker room dongs. with people just walking just around. Just dongs everywhere. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> pretty nice. Just that, yeah. that is a benefit you don't get in cycling is locker room dong. Yeah. Well, you know, we do sometimes. It's a little strange. <laughs> I know our it's listenership right now is going, what's going on? But let me tell you something, guys. We complain a lot as bike promoters about people changing with a towel wrapped around them. Mm-hmm. They've I, never been I in an ice hockey locker room. It's a little weird. Well... The human body, yeah. It's just natural, man. It's, All right. That's true. So let's get into this $40 for a cyclocross race. That's uh, a little so bit too Tim, much. Tim, let me interrupt you here. <clears throat> Have you done any bike racing this year? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't my point. I was hoping you had, actually. <laughs> um, I've done some bike racing. Okay. Little little guy, on me. Guy, you, did yeah. a, you did a crit last weekend, didn't you? I did two of them last okay. weekend. How much? Did and those... I did a mountain bike race this last week. That's fine. How much did those crits cost you, like per race? I think they were thirty-five bucks a piece. Okay, they might have been thirty. Thirty That's... with pre-reg. Okay, so thirty, thirty to thirty-five bucks. 
How long was your crit? One was seven. Well, they're both supposed to be 70, but 70, one yeah. of them I did uh, almost 50 maybe, and one of them I don't know what I did, maybe 25, 30? Well, that's, that's also not my point, so you don't have to embarrass yourself. I'm sorry. Um, if you were in Tim's category of racer, <laughs> how long would that race have been? God, I don't know. 40, 45 minutes maybe? 45? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Tim, you're seeing what I'm driving at here. My math is really bad, so a, no, explain it to me. A 45-minute race on the road is about $35. Why is cost different? Why do you, why do you have the ex- expectation I, that it should be cheaper? Well, I, I can explain Since why I it's haven't raced, better, different. But there's go, more. You go. Okay, so there's more cops. There's more cops to pay. Like, as a race promoter that has promoted both events. Hang on. No, no. You're, you're already off track. As a bike racer... Why is there a difference between your 45-minute experience? You well, I don't race cops. road because it's too ex- – like, I, I don't want to come off as being anti-promoter here, though, Spencer. You're changing the story here. You're trying to point out that maybe I'm a cheapie, yeah. but the problem is – I don't think I need to point I, that out. <laughs> I don't mind people making money from okay. race promotion. Yeah. But I put on a cross race with three good friends of mine mm-hmm. on Halloween last year, opposite – the Florida State Road Race Championship, we had 110 people there or whatever, which is a record, like a really high number for Florida Cyclocross. We're talking, you know, economies of scale, it's big here for like 110 people on a Sunday. Okay. We profited $1,600 and I charged $20 for a first time racer to show up. $20, 25 if you were a three or in the one, two race. Still very reasonable entry fees. And we profited $1,600. It was great. I was able to go spend that money at Disney World. So, so monorail ride. No issue. So, your your so long raise, monorail pass. Yeah. Raise your entry fee five dollars. Put it to thirty and twenty five, and I would have profited maybe nineteen hundred or two thousand dollars. I'm not so, trying to pay my four hundred one k off of bike entry fees. I don't want to be a dick. This is not the point of this question. But did you? Honestly, in your heart of hearts, did you put on a $35 event or did you put on a $20 event? I definitely put on a $30 event. Okay. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. There's nothing that those five extra dollars are going to make an event. See, I disagree, little guy. The five extra dollars, like if you have computerized results and all that, that's fine. Blah, bull, whatever. Buck Hill, $10. Those results That's, are up faster hey, than any computerized results I've so let's talk ever about seen that. in Minnesota. Ten dollars, so and there's Swift, more people than any mountain bike or any like crit or cross race ever. Right. Ten bucks. You, you, right. You're right. Three on high point. school girls. If I had the soundboard, if I had the soundboard up right now, I'd be saying you're right. And here's the thing: is that Swift Cycle, rest in peace. We put on the summer mountain bike series and it only cost ten dollars to do, and we made. A thousand bucks, like an, a week. Like we made a ton of money. Eh, it was like six hundred a week, but a lot of money. Profit, pure profit for a ten dollar race, and you got your results within like ten minutes, handwritten on a legal pad. Yeah, thirty five dollars is what I would expect to pay at a USGP when I'm racing with hundred and twenty other people that I may or may not crash out on the first lap because I'm not very fast, but I want internet pre registration because it's going to sell out. Yep. Well. Okay, so 
we have races up here that are like thirty, thirty-five dollars, kind of the norm. But what How we do? How many people show up? Same amount, you know, forty people in a field or whatever on a on a weeknight on a weekday race or a Do you know how awesome race? that would be? It would be I would I would pay money. I'd pay fifty dollars to race against thirty or forty people. Those are the local races, um, and they're all all of them run through Bike Reg, so you get that online pre-registration experience. You can get the whole shot if you want. There's not really a point to the to the local weekend races. Um, but you get, yeah, you get the timing, you get the results up online quickly, they get tweeted out, you can check them from your phone before you leave the, the venue. Things are pretty classy up here for 35 bucks, And, you know, proportionally so when you get to those UCI weekends, the, the um, cyclocross series up here, then you get into $50, you know, entry fees, um, but you get even more, you know, production value. You get the food trucks showing up, you get... You know, the expo area. You get all that. So, you know, that's what I expected, a $50 level and a $35 level. But, you know, if you're going shooting less than that, yeah, $20 seems fine if you're just running some tape around. and. So, little guy, what do you have to say about what Spencer was getting at? I was going to say, one, you shouldn't have to pay more for food trucks to show up because that's going to cost you more money in the long run. So. It does. It doesn't matter. Like for thirty bucks, it should be a good race. Like, why does it have to be a fifty dollar race where you get food trucks and you get a start zone, and you get I forget what else you got with fifty dollar race. UCI points. UCI points. I see. No, I understand if it's UCI, it's going to cost more because they've got to have more officials. They got to have all those UCI officials hanging out. But for yeah. anything else, there's no reason it needs to cost more. Like, the only reason the crits cost more is because they got to pay a bunch of cops to stand around. And make fun of bike racers, you know, and that's expensive. But other than that, there's no reason it should cost any more. Like especially for a, for a cross race, like you don't have to pay cops. That's like the biggest cost in bike. But racing. it's not just the cops, though. Like, yes, well, I know it's not just the cops. cops. I know you have to pay venue ass. costs, but like doing a crit is is way more expensive than throwing pretty much any cross race unless you have the most amazing venue ever yes i agree i just it seems like too much money to pay for a cyclocross race in florida that is in the state championships that's all i gotta say so i got a little angry about it but this leads me to my next thing i've been wearing my heart rate monitor when i've been playing hockey i'm just gonna say that i am doing interval training like crazy my heart rate has never been so high I'm up above like 187 for multiple times in a night. It's like a shark's tooth because I only have it the heart rate for like a few seconds and then I immediately go to the bench for a change. But um, <laughs> guys, watch out. Uh-huh. Um, the Super Ricky is back. Do you guys have a coach in your league? Like did you just get slotted on a team with like a really – like an old gruff so Scandinavian ha- guy that yells at you and stuff? So we had – no, that's the Mighty Ducks. Um, no. But, well, it's, I guess the old Scandinavian guy owned the, the hockey shop. Yeah, the no, skate shop. It's, um, it's the captain, and he drafted me for the team after the tryouts. I didn't make the A, the a League. I'm only in the mm-hmm. B League. But, um, you know, I, so, I'm back. Can I ask, are there only two leagues? There, well, <laughs> there's two Masters leagues. There's a bunch of all-age leagues for adults. Okay. But so, I so decided you, to go in the Masters first. You could have fallen further than you did. What you're saying <laughs> is you're decent. 
I well, I could have just not been drafted for the league, and oh, that did happen. That would be so. Brutal. Okay, that would have been. Br- I was getting a little nervous, and Sarah had to calm my nerves several times on Sunday because I was so like, you- "Honey, I didn't make the A League draft. No one's going to draft me for the B League because there weren't any captains to watch me." And she was like, uh-huh. "You always worry about these things," but secretly <laughs> she was thinking, "You're not very good." Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> terrible. So did you have like your agent contact the the, uh, the captain and like really sell you on like a cheap contract or something? No, because I am a high paid contract. Okay. Wait for it, guys. Wait for it. And I'm such a high paid um, athlete that entire companies were going to pay the rest of my contract for me to transfer over to that squad. Hmm. Wow, that's weird. That's like a perfect lead in. Some would call me Segway Sam for this amazing link that <laughs> yeah. I just provided. Segway Sam. Because, of course, so. Silly Season is here, and Peter Sagan's entourage is now on Bora Arga, or Bora German company that starts with an H. Yeah, yep. it can't um, be Argon anymore. Yep. Nope. Can't be, Bor- be Argon anymore, poor guy. So poor Argon. Peter Sagan and his brother and that other guy from the team. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are now on the German upstarts Bora whatever. <laughs> we'll probably learn. But we'll Bora learn it soon enough. Bora, Bora Hansgrohe. Yeah. All right. Bora Hansgrohe. Well, so. is, is that the biggest news of the the silly season uh, so far? We are. It is August one today as we record this, which is the day that all the news finally breaks that has been rumored throughout the tour. Um, yeah. I don't know why they picked such an arbitrary day. Uh, for when it's legit for cyclists to talk about what teams they're going to be signing for on January 1st. But, you know, whatever. It's today. Nobody knows. It doesn't make any sense. No. It's, part so, of, it's just one of the great mysteries of cycling. Yeah. I, You know, Spencer, that was definitely the biggest news on the day. Up until um, three minutes before we started the podcast, I went to cyclingnews.com and saw that Lizzie Armistead um, missed three different tests in the past year what? and was facing a four-year ban yeah. and then won the arbitration in the court of arbitration of sport so now she can um go race the olympics that's a little concerning to me that, that is, you um that is pretty intense uh transfer team transfer news tim i'm i'm impressed yeah i know that, that one like, out so you know it kind of took apart silly season so huh. we'll get to that later but <laughs> Sagan entourage to Bora has to be the biggest win. Um, I don't know. That is a. I mean, that's big news, but like, you know, he was going to keep winning wherever he goes. But I think a team that's going to start winning, like who made their team better today, is Orca Bike Exchange, picking up Roman Koiziker. Again, yeah. that's a big one, but it's not. The world champion Peter they're, Sagan, and they're gonna going they're gonna to a continental the, like, team. Yates is gonna win the tour. He was on he was on the podium, and now he's got an actual guy that could be there he with was, him. Again, he was on the wide angle podium. Well, not on the podium. The I, thing just, I, think I, I just forget Nairo was there all the time. Is what happened. Yeah, like most people, um, <laughs> Nairo was in fact there, but Peter Sagan joining a team that isn't even in the world tour. Category. It's not even on the Pro Tour schedule. It yeah. obviously will be next year. 
Well, that is huge. Will they? Taking four guy, five guys with them? Do they or even have to? Like, are they worried that they're not going to get invited to the races? Like, I don't know what the incentive is for them to actually pay for a world tour license. Well, so supposedly the UCI is bringing it down to just 17 teams anyway, and there's 18. And now with Lamprey becoming Team Bahrain, and then the old Lamprey going back down to the continental status, mm-hmm. um, you have... Uh, you have a little bit of competition for those final slots. So, hang on. So, just to clarify, it was Lamprey, Mereda, yes. and now it's going to be Lamprey and Bahrain, Mereda? Yes. So, two okay. separate teams. So, Lamprey, the sheet metal manufacturer from so the, Italy, the blue and, is going down the blue and pink kits will be continental level. Will be continental, but still exist. They're okay. going down. Hmm. All right. And then be on that team, me, the bunch of Italians you never heard of. Well, and yeah. then there's some rumors then, that Nibali might want to go there. No, Nibali is going to Bahrain, Merida. Ah, damn! I already got him mixed up. Yeah, with the um, <laughs> the you know the guy that's not exactly fit to be the the leader of a team funding it, mm-hmm. and you have Nibali, and then there's talk of Luis Mentes going to that squad as well, mm-hmm. um, and a few others. So you've got a uh, a whole other level of um, team coming up through the Lamprey vision. So what's I, interesting is Merida going there, mean because they own half of Specialized, and then you got Bora Special, you know Bora now riding Specialized. Specialized made some moves today. They did. Specialized spent a lot of money. They nicely uh, cozied up to a, like a dictator. That's nice. To Specialized, just another reason that they're everyone's <laughs> favorite big bike company. Well. Are they still going to be sponsoring Astana, or is the Bora thing? That's like, a that's a good question. Okay, I bet because they'll still sponsor Astana. They probably. I will. wonder how long that contract is. Don't know, but um, in Astana news, well, you know, Oscar Gatto, Hansen, and uh, Moser are all going over there. See, Adam, Adam Hansen, Hansen, Hansen is. It's Adam Hansen. Is it okay? That, to me, is the the weird one on the silly season. That is kind of weird. I'm surprised Lotto... I mean, they get so much publicity from him. Yeah, like... I'm surprised it's like, they oh, wouldn't it, keep him. I mean... Yeah, he makes his own shoes. Here, let's put him on, you know, on the front page of the newspaper. He's, he's getting pretty old, isn't he? Yeah, he's in his mid to late 30s, I suppose, but He might still. not be, like, the ROI might not be there anymore, you know? Like, even with the press. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. That's kind of a bummer. Like, he, was, he was better when he was on an underdog Belgian team than on... Because he, he, like, you can't so not no. put him on... You're in a tough spot as Lotto, as Red Lotto. Because you, you can't not put him on your Grand Tour team, right? Like, you're, you're default. Of your nine guys, one of them has to be Hanson now. Like, guaranteed. Yep. Even if he's riding shitty, you have to put him on. Because you can't be the guy that was like, Ah, your streak's over. <laughs> like, you can't yeah, do that. Yeah, it's true. So it does better, hamper their, their yeah, goals. Better to sell them off to a different team and and be like, well, you guys get to be the bad guys now. <laughs> See, but I don't – like he's got to be providing some service though, like from a sponsorship level to be that domestique at oh, 18 I'm, straight Grand yeah, Tours or whatever. I'm sure Maybe. he did. I'm sure he did. For But I think they're hedging their bet that it's not going to last that much longer. And yeah, I don't know. So other news uh, – Rodriguez, J Rod, El, what is it, Perito? 
Joaquim Rodriguez of Katusha announced that this was, in fact, his last race this past weekend um, in Spain, and he will not be doing the Vuelta, and he will be riding off into the sunset retired. That's a little strange that the Vuelta well, now not, has just got a lot more boring. It's not his last race. It's just his last race in Spain, just to clarify. Right. Yeah, but he's not he's doing still the gonna Vuelta. Ride, no, but he's going to do Rio, and he's supposed to you know, like ride through and do Lombardy and the Italian one day's at the end of the yeah. year. But, yeah, kind of a bummer. But Malema won, and that was great. Malema won. He's a guy won. that never wins. He's, he's kind of Zabeldia-esque, as we've said. So, nice so I got to say, Malema, that uh, go ahead, he wins, he, well, he wins the, the Classica San Sebastian is what we're talking about. Yep. You, World Tour race, Malema wins. I thought for a second it was one of the post-tour criteriums because Malema was on the top step of the podium, and we all know the criteriums <laughs> are totally rigged. Yeah. Continue, mm-hmm. Spencer. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, Malema's been having such a great year, and I'm excited for Trek to have some some more teammates, uh, some more, you know, lieutenant type of guys on their team next year for him. Um, we saw some of that uh, shady teamwork happening during the tour uh, with uh, I am Cycling kind of riding for Trek a little bit. Um, and that also led me to the other silly season thing of Roach moving over to BMC, following the tradition of uh, Sky second or third <laughs> captains moving over to BMC to become, I, I assume, a leader. So they're going to have four or five leaders over there now. <laughs> yeah. So that's getting more complicated. And Roach is not the whole a thing, yeah, the whole thing's super confusing. I don't understand how, how, th- I don't understand how cycling works, you guys. Well, here's all. Let, let me break it down to you, Spencer. Here's how cycling works. Okay. <clears throat> every so often, like once every two months, if you average it out, so mm-hmm. there's about six of them. If you win a bike race, you get a really cool trophy or object. Right, if I get that a, part. Yeah. No, if you win an early season race in Italy, let's say, you get a giant gold trident. Yep. Of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. If you win a end of july one day race in spain you get a really really cool hat that yep. everyone wants to wear and they look at you longingly on the podium as you're on the top step as alejandro valverde was doing this um <laughs> past weekend when he saw balke molema's hat he does like that the, hat all the rest is just you know happenstance. We, we just make it up as we go along because yeah. that's kind of what it seems like you know i Uh, Believe it or not, guys, I I do follow some other sports in the world uh, that aren't cycling, Um, you know, whatever, major sports, and they seem to, like, make some sense. And cycling just, like, August August 1st comes around, and, you know, you see guys riding for basically for other teams during the tour, and then it all gets announced on the 1st, but then they still have to ride with their old team. Until the end of the year. And you yeah, get that weird, weird transition period where training hey, camps gonna, are happening I'm in gonna, December and you've got guys with different kits on there. And, because oh, and cyclocross season's weird because cyclocross season you have that weird like that's in the its middle. Own thing, yeah. On the weekend that it switches. But little guy, I'm going to – well, Spencer, I'm going to bookmark something here because I want to see if little guy is going to pick up a – what you just said about how you follow major sports. Okay. Um, do you want to get it on this little guy? Well, I mean, hockey's not a major sport. Thank you. But, like, I'm uh, a huge hockey fan, but that's I mean, not a major sport. 
the football in Europe is pretty major. I mean, I think they have it figured out. Uh, okay. Uh, I, mean, I suppose that's fairly major. The, well, the, what? Moto, the MotoGP and the Formula Ones are pretty major. You know, like, they have shit figured out there, too. Are they really a sport, though? Well, so what I it's don't like... understand, Tim, and maybe you can explain this to me because I think uh, you, you maybe uh, think about this stuff um, at, the, at this Expert. level, but how come Expert. in the Tour de France... You can have Team Sky racing against uh, their arch rivals, Movie Star, mm-hmm. and Movie Star's total yearly budget is fifteen million euro, and Sky's is thirty-five. That doesn't seem fair. Well, it's just like baseball with the New York Yankees taking on our beloved Minnesota Twins mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, whooping up on us all the time in the playoffs mm-hmm. because we only have one solid pitcher. Um, and it's not fair, but since the rules of the game have never been equalized by the players union or the, um, the, the riders union, there's no, you know, the, there's been a salary cap that is non-existent. So it, it's not fair, right? Like that's, what's cool about hockey. It's what's cool about basketball is that there's a salary cap and then it's who can like manage the money better. That's what we need in cycling is a salary cap. Things would be so much better. Really? Do you think that would actually well, actually help? I think part of the oh, problem would be that no. Okay. You'd have to. Here's the thing, though. You'd have to set it pretty low in relation to like what Sky does now or what like BMC spends now, because the French teams, their max is so much lower because of like uh, well, labor Col- laws and taxes. Okay, so Colfides, like, they couldn't even get close. Colfides and FDJ you- are both at eleven and ten million dollars. Cannondale's at ten million dollars. Giant Alpacins at twelve five. Arika's at thirteen. Most of them are in there in that range between ten and fifteen. And you get Astana at twenty, Tinkoff at twenty five, BMC twenty eight, Katusha thirty two. Like. That's why those teams are so, so much better. Holy shit. Katusha, 32? Yeah. Yeah, the, their, their, their rate really? of return is not very good. Well, Bora, Zachary, wow. you know, he's, Bora, he's, Argon, so, 18. Sagan's future home, 4.5. Okay, so well, let, yeah. let's get to now this, Spencer. 38 or something. Yeah. And, and little guy, to, to go on this, though, I think that, little guy, you bring up a point about the, um, the taxes and all of the different owned teams, and... You know, you can't control how each country does the taxes and the value of currency and all of that. However, I would think in a perfect world, what you could see is you could see a privatized cycling league that, um, and this is pie in the sky things, so I'm not saying this happens overnight, but this would be my, my suggestion or something to work off of, is you have some private cycling league that is probably owned by ASO and the shareholders of um, the league of, you know, the different races. And then to enter that race, you have to meet these stipulations. You got to have a budget that is of you know twenty million dollars or whatever the the amount is. You can't do contracts at certain times, and then all the teams are registered in Switzerland or wherever where the the actual money and the tax money of what's being contributed isn't um, being hampered by individual country laws. And that's how you could create a pretty cool off season where we're looking at who has salary to give. Who has the age requirement? But instead, what we have is we have this horrible free market idea here that, like, in principle, it should be really cool where a guy can make the most money possible and move on, but it's not good for the sport. Right. We need to have some kind of regulation in the sport, that, in my opinion, and the salary cap would be the way to do that. The yeah, cap. I, I can understand the regulation point, but I don't think in any way a, pri- a private league 
I, I feel like the problem with ASO is they have too much power. The problem with, like, let's say, like, the NFL or something in the U.S. is they have too much power as a monopoly. And anytime any organization ends up with a monopoly over a sport, it doesn't create better. Like, it doesn't make football better that the NFL can just, like, rip off every single city in the country, you know, to make them buy them a new stadium constantly. And I feel and like I, giving, I giving ASO that too much more power they and, like, privatizing the league... No, That's but the they do. They do have it, but it's 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 right now. It's at least we have enough diverse players with uh, some amount of power that the sport is weird in the way it is that like we we've talked about of like you have an ASO race running at the same time as an RCS race. Um, yeah. You know, you got Torino and Perry Nice, and you get these weird conflicts that create um, they create some sort of weird drama. But they also just are part of what cycling is. Is it's always been kind of well, you know, uh, they have uh, broken they up have sport. They have the you know the the Premier League in England and they have the their Premier League in Italy and their Premier League in Spain you know and they all kind of you know do their thing and then you get the Euro or you get the World Cup or you get whatever like where everybody kind of you know that that stuff can be figured out there can be different tiers like there can be continental level races there can be you know inter whatever races that's all fine mm-hmm. and good what I want to know is like when a guy like Roman Kreisiger signs for Eureka Bike Edge. We hear about it today, but it doesn't actually happen till January 1st, six months or f- whatever from now. And like, yeah. why can't, why can't we have it set up like a regular sport where like a transfer where window? Eureka traded Bling Matthews to Tinkoff and Tinkoff gave them Kreisiger, you know, like, and then they yeah. just, they have new kits next week and they're like Whoa. on the team. Like, I- Transfer like contracts that get transferred between I ownerships say, of I, the teams, like you know commodities, because that's kind of what that's kind of what it is, right? Like, why why are they signing contracts? What I would say, I think it's a good thing that cycling is the one January sport that because doesn't have cycling trains. bike racing is dumb, and for some reason we oh, have gotten uh, into this. Yeah, <laughs> well, but what is good about trades? Like, There's nothing good about trades major... as, uh, inherently. No, I know. I know, but what is the difference between what just happened? Okay, I'm going to trade you off this podcast to Crosshairs Radio for Bill. But so what happens is like (laughs) when Roach gets traded or sold to BMC or signs with BMC for next year, and he still has to race for Sky all year. Like, are they going to send him to races? Are they going to not let him get those UCI points? You know, those World Tour points. Like, you get into. I think that's weird. I think what would make more sense just from a personal standpoint, like if I was a rider, would be to not announce where I'm going, you know? But, like, the team would know. Like, if you don't re-sign, like... Yeah, they know you're going somewhere. I think it would be better if the signing window was later in the year. But another problem with cycling is there isn't really an off-season. There isn't much of an off-season. And even if you waited till November, like, then you come into the problem of, like, guys don't know where they're going to go. Right. And racing starts a week into January, and everyone's scrambling for contracts. That's and it's going to end up being that the big guys are going to get attention from the agents, and right. they're going to get attention from the teams, and the little guys are just going to get ripped off, and they're going to end up with lower contracts because it will be a and those all guys. Out well, crazy bidding war in two seconds. And that's why there should so be year long con- uh, like several year long contracts that can get traded between teams. But I think right, so at the end of the day, the problem is that the riders' union has zero power. Like zero power. Like yeah. the teams no, have power. There's UCI not a level, has power. Yeah. ASO has power. The riders union has no power. And like yeah. we need need a stronger riders union so that they have some voice in this. 
Yeah. Because it is too many other people that that have the purse strings have power, and the riders who are out there doing it have See, I don't no think power. the riders need that much more power. Like, like, the riders, if they can claim, like, a bigger contract, like, um, they need more power in the safety, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the contract, like, a minimum salary, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that there's uh, a lot of things there. But, you know, when Peter Sagan can pull in a certain amount of money, he should get what he deserves without a doubt. Right. Um, and I think you can build that in with a salary cap. The problem for me is you have Team Sky that has way too much of a budget and is just making the Tour de France boring because they're buying it off. I mean, literally paying yeah. millions of dollars for guys to just crush the race. And there's not enough Team Katushas that just don't know what the heck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, anyway. Wow. How did they so, spend that much and not do that? I mean, I understand I it's because they're Russian and they've just they've got that Kremlin money yeah. just to throw around. But holy so, crap. I know we're yeah. in the weeds in this silly season, and it's going to continue. Um, I think our solution we just we just solved cycling by saying pushing back the uh, the silly season to maybe November first when the racing truly does die down. Well, then I you got to have that trade window in the middle of the season so those little guys don't get lost, like like little guys point. You know? But um, I think the bigger it, I, guys, I I, I want to go back to this Lizzie Armistead thing. The Olympics okay. is around the corner. We have Dan from Nam our. Dan Craven, the Namibian road cyclist who will be racing in the Olympics, has been reporting to us on Twitter. Go to Dan, at Dan from Nam, at the Slow Ride Pod on Twitter. You can see some of our exchanges. And um, Lizzie Armstead wins her arbitration, is now cleared to race in Rio. I didn't know anything was happening yeah, with Lizzie Armstead. Right. I did not know that she had missed multiple tests. And she did win in court in the arbitration. And she's saying it wasn't like a positive. It says that she's missed the test because you, you, United Kingdom anti-doping was missing where she was. But gentlemen, I'm deeply concerned by this. I'm deeply Were concerned they... that the world champion is missing tests. And it is kind of ridiculous that you're at that level and you're missing doping tests three well, within a year. The arbitration is saying that it must have been on... UK anti-doping and not her if they're not finding her like that's must so must be the the end I, the end conclusion. So what so, what, so what happened I, is she missed her three tests one uh, at the end of last year one beginning of this year and and one just a few weeks ago um, and they ruled that one of those three that the UK anti-doping didn't follow proper procedures and kind of fucked up so it didn't really count. Okay, so, so she's two. she's still at two, so she's good right, to go. So she, it's, she fucked up twice. Okay. Yeah, they they are like you didn't properly file your whereabouts, so we couldn't, you know, locate you or whatever. But um, it just know, seems weird that if you're at that level and you can't produce, yeah, what you need. So you have the world champ stripes on your <laughs> jersey. You are going to be held to a higher level of accountability. There were a few pro cyclists tweeting uh, today. I think uh, Jeff Kabush was one of them who was like, three in a year? If I missed one, I would be freaking out and super, super diligent about everything else after that, you know? Yeah. Which, uh, it, he makes a strong point. I am greatly disturbed by this. I'll leave it at that. Um, what's exciting about the Olympics is Megan Garnier is going to whip her ass anyway in USA, <laughs> USA, USA. Okay. 
Uh, well, we'll get Dan from Nam um, on the ground there with some reports. Uh, it looks like he's going to look into uh, who the nerdiest athletes are, uh, who the laziest so let's athletes talk about are, that. Spencer, some other stuff. Um, in if the Olympics, he, the Olympic he Village. deciding who the nerdiest athlete are? Is it well, like you know, book, we trust his we, opinion. To, he's a pro a cyclist. to sex ratio, since they supposedly have some We've, sex in the Olympic yeah. Village. We may have goaded him into this. So, little guy, who do you think is the nerdiest athlete? Like, like not individual athlete, but, like, Group, looking yeah, at a sport. sport <laughs> like, looking at a sport, who do you think is the nerdiest sport at the Olympics? Because there's definitely I mean, some the, contenders. It's probably the table tennis dudes. Uh, I didn't even think about the table tennis dudes. Those would those guys would be up there. They got those uh, kind of short shorts, and they're just um, playing table tennis. Yeah. I was thinking. I, mean, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see I was, the problem with that. Spencer, I mean, you, either, you're going to suggest. Yeah. I think the race walkers. I think the race walkers are definitely pretty nerdy. Uh huh. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's that is probably the goofiest of all Olympic sports. I think the nerdiest are actually the modern pentathletes. Because anyone that's good enough at horse riding, cross-country running, fencing, shooting, and swimming, and somehow they put that all together to be an Olympic sport, is totally the nerd in school that couldn't get on any sport team whatsoever. And was just in study hall and was like, oh, wow, I didn't know this sport existed. And then they did that. Hmm. Hmm, that could be. It's possible. I think it's somebody that's so devoted to a, a sport that's so obscure and scoffed at by like race walking Spencer what about probably right like trampoline is that a sport trampoline that's an Olympic sport that's how ridiculous I, the Olympics are now I like, think you trampoline can't, you can't do is, the kilo you can't do the kilo on the track but you can do trampoline I think trampoline is probably trampoline? pretty rad yeah Flips. you ever jumped on a trampoline Tim it's pretty fun <laughs> it is pretty fun yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know it could be something. Uh, I think you brought it up on Twitter earlier, Tim. Um, archery. Archery is pretty nerdy. Like to get into it, you gotta be kind of a dork, right? Like you gotta be into like might and magic and Dungeons and Dragons and all this. Hunger like, Games. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna like, do it. I wanna do archery. Right. <laughs> and then you start getting into it and you start getting good. And then when you realize you're like have some talent or some skill, then you start getting into like. You know, testing the wind speed and like adjusting for this and that, and like yeah, you're probably in some pretty deep nerd zone there. Yeah. You know? So all um, the people I know that are into archery are primitivists. Well, I yeah, mean, so do they? Nerds. Yeah, they don't have I mean, the, the wrist guard and like all this. Stuff. No, <laughs> any any they sport made you need to wear bow. a wrist guard that's not an actual physical sport so, is probably pretty nerdy. And then let's talk about ridiculous sports that are in the Olympics. Okay. It's I like the Olympics. Do you guys know that there are a bunch of horse-related Olympic sports? Equestrian, well, dressage. dressage, dressage, which is pretty much horse dancing. That's the one is that an Olympic Romney's sport. Wife, wife exactly. Does, right? It yeah. is ridiculous that no, that is an Olympic sport. I think that's totally legit because you know, like horses deserve that recognition too. Oh, you're saying horses don't get enough love in our society. They need their own Olympics, yeah. I think it's only mm-hmm. fair that they have okay, their own Okay, but yeah, segment. sure, they, they deserve their own Olympics. But That's again, horse walking, horse, horse dancing called dressage is in the Olympics, but the horse, kilo horse is walking. not. Can you bring but up the a... The kilo uh, is one part of an event. It's like if they took yeah. the side jump out of dressage. It would still be dressage. 
Yeah, and, that, and you know, there's probably controversy in dressage about uh, podium horses. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure, but but here's the thing with podium. Dude, podium I hope horses. they actually do have podium horses. I mean, they probably of, do that, have podium horses. That, it's a little they, more important the, than the bike. The bike. All right, yeah. I am I am looking up the Olympic dressage results on Twitter right now or on uh, Google to see if they do have the horses on the podium because they do not. Um, the images for the dressage Olympic podium. Nope. It's just a bunch of, that how do I say this, aristocrats? Garbage. Like, with top hats. These guys, they might as well be wearing monocles um, <laughs> in their little on. costumes, and there's not even one mention of the horse. BMX racing, pretty cool. Elise yep. Post from uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota is a favorite to win the gold medal in the women's BMX. That's pretty cool. Nice. Um, do you know that, that, uh, that, uh, that we've got a track racer going here from Minnesota? Chloe, Di- or no, um, what's her name? Up Google, name. get those Google fingers going, yeah, Tim. Yeah. Get, get the Google fingers going, little guy. We have yeah. a Minnesota uh, athlete going to the Olympics. Google you know, oh, you know it's a I stupid guess. sport, and I know it's one of the most popular ones, but I don't care. It's dumb. This is the beach volleyball. It's the sexiest sport. It's the it, that, that it's, is. It's, it's Kelly it's, Caitlin, by the way. Yeah, uh, Caitlin. <laughs> But it's yes, only half it is. sexy. The other half doesn't really try to be that sexy. The beach volleyball. You know what's a cool sport, though? Is field hockey. You ever seen that? The field hockey is yeah, pretty badass. Yeah, that a sport? That doesn't make any sense. That's just the thing you do because you don't have ice. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. field hockey is cool. Team handball is pretty awesome. I do like watching the arbitrary Olympic sports that we don't get to see here in America. And uh, probably the... The newest, the new sport that is going to take the world by storm is, of course, rugby. They are uh, rugby is back in the Olympics. That's pretty cool. So, anyways, oh, I'm surprised they didn't cut some other track cycling uh, event to put that in there. This is Sarah Groff, U.S. Olympian, and this is the Slow Ride Podcast. Well, I'll just lead us right into this, guys. This week's Prime Lap, amongst other things, is, of course, brought to us by the listeners of the Wide Angle Podium Network. That's I'd like you. to thank you and you and you. Basically, NPR for bike podcasts and all other types of podcasts. Thanks for your support. Go to WideAnglePodium.com. For as little as $5 a month, you can get bonus content. You can get a variety of other packages and promos that we are uh, putting together. And uh, mm-hmm. great stuff. It is great stuff, and it's it yeah. warms our hearts to see the support come in. You know, like when we get those notifications that uh, people are donating to us. But uh, you know, it makes us feel like we're not just wasting our time up here. Just you know, always a good feeling. So we 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 appreciate that. Yeah, and, and make sure when you donate, you click the Slow Ride podcast. Not those other guys. Those guys are <laughs> junk. All those other podcasts. We want to be number one in this network, so get your priorities straight, listeners. Yeah, and I, Spencer, it's a big milestone for us with the um, in this week's prime prem lap, um, as we have a shout out that we need to give out for a uh, supporter of the Slow Ride Podcast. It's at the correct um, and awesome level. 
we did. of support. And, you know, Chris Creed, Barnhart, Missouri, of Gateway Harley-Davidson, a famous cycling team that we have seen nice. throughout, through and through. Um, you know, thanks for doing what you do, guys. I've recently started listening to the show and love it. Shout-outs to my Gateway Harley-Davidson Trek U25 development team. And we're currently ranked number 10 in the PRT. Thanks again. I appreciate what you're all doing. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, Definitely thanks. get that full shout-out for the Gateway Harley-Davidson team. I Gateway Harley-Davidson. Do you guys remember when Jonathan Page raced on the Gateway Harley-Davidson team? Or was that the oh, Valley yeah. Harley-Davidson team? Uh, like as some a sort of Harley-Davidson. Or when he was a junior or something. Oh, no. Is that like Nature Valley Grand Prix? I could be wrong, uh, but... Oh, okay. That Gateway Harley Davidson team—they're—they're they're kind of like a force in the Midwest. Um, they would—you you remember how I always talked about if I won the lottery, um, I would first start the Pearson's Nut Roll Pro Cycling Team, and mm-hmm. then I would buy a barge and just mm-hmm. go up and down the Mississippi River and conquer the crit scene along the Mississippi. I yep. feel that if we got to St. Louis, we would run into some uh, issues with the Gateway Harley Davidson team. Yeah, I think you probably would. <laughs> I'm looking at their Facebook page right now. They've they've got some results. They've got some good racers. They've actually got some pretty decent kits. I got the black and orange uh, color scheme going on here. It's uh, yeah, that's some solid stuff. It's a it's a pretty decent kit. All right, it's pretty good. I do like those colors. I think black and orange is a very underrated color scheme. It's very. I'd well agree done. with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. So. Anyways, Chris, we'd like to thank you for your support of the Slow Ride Podcast. It means a lot to us and uh, the Wide Angle Podium Network. And really you will also be getting your Circle of Trust uh, gift because we are coming up with a special gift for you. Now, this is not just the number plates from the Narweasels in uh, <laughs> New England that we purchased. We got something good coming out to you, Chris. Uh, bear with us as we're working hard on uh, figuring this one out for you. But thanks again for all your support and uh Good luck with the rest of the racing season um, for your squad there. Yeah, we'll check back in yeah. with the uh, with the Harley Davidson team, see where they're at. This is Ryan. This is Ryan. This is Ryan Woodall, Florida's first cyclocross national champion. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Tim, right. did, 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 uh, we kind of glossed over that earlier, Tim. Um, did you have anything more to say about hockey dongs? I am not going to record anymore, guys. This is we're, – we're going over the level. You already have the sound box, um, little guy, uh, Spencer, from uh-huh. last week's Velo Game Misery. Just uh-huh. substitute whatever I say with, um, you know, hey, let's talk about something a little bit more exciting than this topic you wanted to talk about in the hockey uh-huh. locker room. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Ryder Heshtal confirming that he will no longer be a professional bike racer after this season. He is going off to the Trek Factory Racing Farm. We'd like to thank <laughs> Ryder Heshtal for all he did for Canadian cycling and uh, USA Cycling by winning the Giro. It was a pretty awesome race. But, gentlemen, i got to ask a question. Five, six years from now, we'll, when we talk about Ryder Heshtal, Will we be talking about the Giro win, or will we be talking about the motor that's in his rear wheel of his bike on that crash? Oh, God, I hope we're still not talking about that. Yeah, hopefully we've debunked that by then. Um, uh, I think that that's going to stick with him for a while, I and mean, I feel kind of bad. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about him in five or six years, one way or the other. 
Is a Jiro winner? Nah. I mean, he'll probably have that taken away by then. <laughs> He's not going to have anything taken away. Yeah. I th- I don't think there's a motor in the bike, but I think that there's definitely questions because now all of a sudden there's wheel doping, which um, I didn't even know existed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you put a motor in anything, Tim. You'd be surprised. <laughs> hey, little guy, what do we got over in Klein Corner this week? Well, I rode my client a lot this week. And Today. Spencer, you'd what? be happy to know. Yeah. Remember, we used to go to Buck Hill every week uh-huh. for like three years. And I was trying so hard to get a top 10. And I'd usually uh-huh. be like 20th, 20th or something. Yep. And I showed up for the first time. I showed up once last year and I DNF'd. I showed up once the year before and I DNF'd. So I showed up. I hadn't ridden any mountain bike races <laughs> in a long time. I hadn't finished one in three years. And I just somehow got 13th. Like, what the hell? That, nice. I would have, like, I would have like murdered somebody for 13th a few years ago when I was out there every week trying. And then I just, like, rode better than I've almost ever ridden out there. It was weird. It was super weird. It was, all that, uh, it was all that mountain bike skills you gained in Vermont. I suppose. I suppose. Um, but the Klein performed flawlessly as always. Uh, that's good. Just, what can you say about well, uh, a bike that's all, perfect? Uh, all, eight, all eight of those speeds were clicking, you know, right right back and forth where they needed to be. Yeah. You, this is surprising to people. Nice. You actually don't need more than eight speeds. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> well, I mean, when you have three chain rings up front. Yeah, when you have three chain rings, <laughs> you have plenty of time. I, I, you I know I you don't. You only have two chain rings. <laughs> You don't even even then you don't need you don't need any more. It just doesn't I don't understand. But um that's my client corner. Uh, oh no, I've got something else in client corner. Spencer, you remember the moose poop racing guy? Yes, I do. Alright, so, so everyone who doesn't know this guy, there's this guy at Buckhill every Thursday night. He always rides a client that he is custom painted. It says Moose Poop Racing on the down tube. He has a custom airbrush jersey that says Moose yep. Poop Racing. And yep. the top tube, one side says something like Save the Penguins. I don't know what the other side says. Um, this guy's a website, so everybody check it out. Moose Poop Racing. Just search for that. You'll you'll be happy. Yeah, you can't you not did. find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you cannot find it. It'll be the first one. Um, <laughs> it it's amazing. He has quite the climb collection. But the this broke my heart. I rode past him in uh, warm ups, uh-huh. and uh, he wasn't on a climb. What? Yeah. I know. Well, I gave him a wave of the hand, and I said, "What?" I gave, said, I gave you my Klein wave, and you're not on a Klein. I need to take I, that back, sir. I was, yeah, I was hurt, you know. Um, I thought he was my brother in Klein. I didn't see another Klein out there. So that was a little heartbreaking. Uh, the only other cool bike there, there's like 500 bikes there, and they were all shitty, except there was one dude on a Breezer. That's all right. That's pretty cool. We had a moment, so, like, what's up? So that's Klein Corner. Do-do-do-do. Hey, um... At DG After Dark says, hey, all bike riding henceforth geared towards training for Almanzo 100 on May 20th, 2017. I will yep. high-five any and all slow, oh ride pod- the slow Ride Podcast hosts that show. I'll probably be the only one there. Yep, double high-five for that. Um, guys, there was can... actually a pretty big um, news story that is broke. It, is, it mis- is it Mr. Moose.org, which is Moose Poop Racing's website? Yeah. Because, yeah. oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, you gotta go over so, there. I think you're right, yeah. He's got, he's got an archive of all the airbrushed jerseys. 
Yeah, they're unbelievable. He's got all the airbrush jerseys. Uh, he's Mr. got all the clients he's owned. He's also got a yeah. section on like his travel uh, oh, that he's amazing. done and his art and his hang gliding. Let's not forget the fact that he's also a hang glider. What's the, what's the address here? It it's is mrmoose.org. Yeah, mrmoose.org. Uh, okay, so M I S T E R. Oh, guys, that is amazing. Listeners, when you go over to this, just you see this guy, and and if you know me now, if you've met me now, or you you feel like you know me because of this deep relationship we formed over the airwaves, know that this is who I will be in a few years. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when I'm now headed into my mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 gonna have to become an adult soon. It's just gonna have to happen. You gotta, it's well, beyond I my control. This is this is an amazing website. The, so oh, this is it. This this website is good. MrMoose.org. Um, I'm really into this uh, airbrush jersey here with the uh, Team Moose poop on the front, but it's got the penguin. I don't know what's up with the penguin, but it's there. And on the side, yeah. it says Warrior of the Turtles. And yeah, there you turtle. go. Where are you guys finding the jerseys on here? Oh, uh, there's you... a jersey section, I think. Yeah. But if you go to the bike section, the bike that he always rode at, He's got all these bikes, but the bike he was always on that I saw um, at the races was this 96 Klein Attitude <laughs> Team Moose Poop Special Edition. Um, and he was on a bike painted similarly at the race, but it was definitely not uh, It was not this well, frame. He, Klein's he are getting brakes. hard to find, you know? He was on a bike with disc brakes. It certainly did not have the sweet oh. bullseye cranks. It was Gentlemen. Gentlemen, I... <clears throat> This may be the greatest thing we've ever discovered. Listeners, mrmoose.org. Click on bikes, airbrushed jerseys. Give this guy his support. Email him. Let him know that, that he is now the hero of this podcast. Little guy, this is you in a few years. Um, yep. I hope so. Got, oh, my God. Do you God. see the one that says, I fought the log? And it's, oh, got, yeah. it's got a moose just chilling, taking a nap on one side with a like a big note underneath it, like a musical note, because that moose is obviously chill. And then it, on the arms it says, I fought the log, and the log won. Yep. And on the other end, there's like a big buff dude holding the tree because he chopped it down. He might have somebody's head in his hand. That's a little confusing what's going on in that picture. So, guys, <laughs> let me just give a taste to our listeners what we're talking about here. I'm looking at a picture of a airbrush jersey that's got a turtle, a penguin, and a moose on it. And it says Team Moose Poop. And this is the, this is the copy that was written. This was airbrushed by Vital Signs in Verona, Wisconsin. They were recommended by a local bike shop. I took a look at their portfolio and showed him the quality I was looking for. And he said, no problem. When I saw the quality, my first reaction was that it looked like it was done in some, someone in high school. He basically copied the <laughs> Eagle Nest Lodge shirt. When the guy who recommended him saw it, he said, well, it's certainly not the best work he's ever done. So the airbrusher <laughs> was a putz, but I've worn the shirt for many years, even though it's my least favorite. <laughs> that is the quality. This guys, this website, this is better than anything I've ever seen from like GeoCities time. Did you? Yeah. Spe- do you guys notice that that first jersey? It's 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 white with that like uh, turquoise on it. It looks a lot like like just physically as a jersey, uh, like that pink jersey that I wore for years. That uh, I yeah. dumpstered. You, you Doesn't it look like it's the same brand of whatever? Is he a good racer? I don't, no, I don't no, know. Little guy, that, I think you're right on that jersey looking yeah, a little I bit like yours. Yeah, I think it's the same, like the cotton middle, I like had, it's fully cotton with the synthetic side. I had the same thought, though, uh, just a few moments ago when you were describing the moose uh, drawing uh, airbrushed on the back of the other jersey. 
the yeah. moose reclining under the tree is wearing a pink and white jersey that looks exactly oh, like yeah. the one you used to wear every time. He is. Oh, man, I'm that moose. You might be that moose. I'm the moose. <laughs> it's totally wearing my jersey. All right, and he cool. wasn't, I'll, I'll and he wasn't racing a Klein? No, this last week this he wasn't racing a Klein. So, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's, he's obviously still the coolest person who's ever existed. That is true. I mean, look at this bike collection. It's out of control. <laughs> it's so good. He's got, and they, when he doesn't, when he's not rocking Kleins on here, the only other bikes on here, there's a Salsa Mucklock in here, which I'll just pretend I didn't see that. There's <laughs> three, three bike, three American mountain bikes. People don't know. I think they're from oh, yeah. St. Cloud. They're basically a yep. local aluminum mountain bike company from the early '90s. So, um, extremely cool, especially around here if you're rocking one of those. So. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That is a that is a hot number there for the Klein Corner, little guy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that man. is that is big news. Biggest news of the weekend for sure. That's good. Well, no, the biggest news of the weekend was was in fact tweeted to us by Atland Softly, friend of the podcast, Michael Bone Gimmer. This is like the Slow Ride Podcast bingo, and it's just the Instagram link. <laughs> and you open up the Instagram photo, Spencer. You know what I'm talking about. I little do. guy still doesn't understand how Twitter and Instagram work. And it's a picture yeah. from Aspen. Now, little guy, I'm going to... Is that where Lance Armstrong lives? Okay, Lance Armstrong's in the picture. What two other riders <laughs> on the Slow Ride Podcast bingo do you no. think would be in the picture with Lance Armstrong mountain biking oh, in Aspen? Both of them? Oh, well, TJ Van Garderen for Yes, one. totally. Yes, nailed it. I can't it. believe he'd go mountain nailed biking. It. it. seems nailed way too it. dangerous. And then George Hincapie. Yes. Oh, it, this, two for two. <laughs> I, move, I move at this Slow Ride podcast meeting that the picture on our Twitter page now be changed to this amazing picture of George Hincapie, Lance Armstrong, and TJ Van Garderen. I'm glad you say that. Future. Because right. I'm already yeah. working on it. <laughs> that um, sounds good. And guys, I, I don't even know where else we go after that. So I, I think at this point, it might be time to wrap up the show and just soak <laughs> in and go to bed with the sweet memories of a selfie Taken by George Hincapie with TJ Van Garderen and Lance Armstrong in the same picture. Mm-hmm. I agree. TJ's such a tool. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. We'd like to thank our supporters on the Wide Angle Podium Network. You know who you are. We'd also like to thank each and every one of you that wave at all of your fellow cyclists. And guys, this past weekend I did a big ride here in Florida. I went north of Lake um, Monroe, I believe is what it's called. And uh, as I was going around the lake, there were three large groups of cyclists, about 50 people in each group, coming in the other direction from my merry band of eight riders. I did, I was full schleck at the back, but I did full double hand wave, and uh, my hit rate was less than 3%, but I did the full double hand wave of, and a lot of weird looks, but next time I'm just going to zip up the jersey. So make yeah. sure you wave at all your fellow cyclists. <laughs> They're probably Definitely. impressed, uh, you know, dumbfounded. And we definitely would like to thank the BK1 of Ryan Sayers Entertainment for the intro and outro music off of his album, Radio Do Cannibal. Um, mm-hmm. Great stuff. Always listen to it. Um, fantastic music through and through. And with that, we'd bid you adieu. Adieu. Adieu.
the Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.